Welcome to Sonic Talk number 307, coming to you today live and direct, Wednesday the 3rd of April. Uh, I'm Nick Bat, editor of sonicstate.com, and um, my guests are, well, they're just here. I'll start, in fact, by introducing Mr. Richard Hilton from uh, sunny uh, America. <laughs> I don't know if it is sunny. <laughs> I can see sun streaming in, so I'm guessing it is. Uh, Richard Hilton, of course... Uh, Mans the controls for Nile Rogers' uh, studio, personal studio, and also plays in the travelling disco band Chic, where he has been. Have you been doing any disco in recently then, Rich? Oh, some here and there, yeah. Yeah, we've been... Well, since we spoke last, no. But uh, this weekend we'll be going, and the following weekend we'll be going, and on and off for a while. There'll be gigs, yeah. There's going to be shows. Excellent, excellent. Glad to hear it. Um, it's been a lot. I noticed there was a documentary about, also a rockumentary, I suppose, on uh, on Nile Rogers. Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. It was on BBC, and uh, but I did notice that you mentioned something about it. Did you get to make a cameo appearance in that anywhere? Yeah, I actually appear uh, twice in it. Woo! Um, cool. But only as you know, in the background to the story. Not, I'm not actually interviewed for it, nor did I need to be. Ah, so not a speaking part. No, but they got an amazing cast of people to talk about uh, the history of this thing. They got all the right people, really. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I really am. So anyway, Rich, thank you very much for joining us. We'll, uh, now we'll go over to Mr. Mark Tinley over there in uh, the east of England. Good afternoon. Oh, I seem to have lost my memory. I can't remember where anybody lives, so I'm sort of winging it a little bit. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Bedfordshire, a small county just north of London. Anyway, Mark, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Mark Tinley, of course, a sound artist and uh, creative thinker. In fact, uh, also involved in the uh, TV Mania project, which uh, if you were listening to the pre-recorded show last week, there was a very interesting interview oh, yeah. with him and Anthony J. Rester. Uh, in fact, Mark, you've got some uh, additional st- material to add to that, so I'm looking forward to getting that, hopefully. I, absolutely, yeah. I, I've well, I, I've edited together a, uh, a conversation I had with Nick Rhodes, which is a complete podcast in itself. And after I completed it, I then had a conversation with Warren Cucurulo. So now I don't know whether I should put the two together and make it into one very long hour-long podcast, or maybe present them as two separate things. So I'll talk to you about that at the end. And maybe, in fact, maybe the. Um, uh, if anybody in the chat room has any ideas about well that's fantastic I'll tell you, well, like I'll tell you what ne- next week I'm going to be music, uh, music messer so an hour long special would be uh, certainly no problem at all but, oh that. cool okay anyway, right. anyway we'll Mark thank you very much for joining us and uh, finally we come to Mr David Spears g4software.com uh, there in his uh, sunny garret surrounded by stacks of vintage equipment stuff, stuff. yeah how are you I'm all right, thanks. I saw that documentary. It's very good. And I saw Richard making his cameo appearance. It was rehearsals and I would... You know what I'm like, watching telly. Mostly it's like Tourette's with the Tron noises. Tron, Tron, Tron. And then, <laughs> so, you know, Louise is kind of expecting that. And then all of a sudden I go, Rich Hilton! <laughs> so, the man who points at things in the street. <laughs> you are yeah, the, uh, what's, what's the name of the character in Father Ted? Are you the kind of uh, music technology version of that? 
Well, Father Jack, definitely. I'd take that as the best compliment anyone's ever paid me. Tell you what else I did go and see. I went to see Gaz. Ah, yes. The uh, We haven't got him this week because Gaz is now uh, he's a regular guest on the show, if you've not listened before. Uh, Gaz is on tour uh, out playing with Carl Hyde in the Solo Project, right? So you saw him. Where did you see him? Uh, warm-up gig at Brighton. And it was really, really good. I'll tell you what, it was like a techno reunion down there. There was uh, the Hartnell Brothers, uh, Future Sound of London guy. Uh, who else was there? Oh, um, Richard Norris, who's done it, who did a brilliant golf rap remix. I think he used to be in the grid the years grid. ago. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, yeah, it was brilliant. It was a really nice, vibey evening in a nice little club down there. And the band were great. In fact, it was brilliant. I came away kind of on cloud nine. In fact, so much so that a homeless person asked me for some money in the street and I gave him 20 quid. Wow, that must well, have been good. Then he fell over and the police had to get called. And I was thinking, can I have my 20 quid? Shall I get my 20 quid? No. <laughs> well, I, I must say, I, I, was, uh, I was tempted to make it to uh, um, there, but I was in uh, Cornwall where I was uh, on holiday in the sub-zero temperatures along the coast there, um, staying in a caravan. That, but they did... It, it, in fact, it was the warmest part of England, so I, I did keep. I did consider uh, it, for me to get to Brighton, it would have been a round trip of around six hundred miles. Oh. So uh, you know, I really wanted to go, but I felt that um, just showing up, dropping the family off, and then disappearing for twenty-four hours would have probably not gotten down all that well. It was really, really, really excellent, and I would thoroughly encourage everybody to go and see them. And obviously, I get money for saying that, but. <laughs> It was because obviously I told the story about you know helping put the band together and but you know there's always as we all know there's always occasions like that where I do get slightly nervous because things can blow up in your face and people you think it's like when you're introduced to somebody at a party and they go ah oh, no you two would really get on and then you kind of yeah. go so where do we go from here then yeah so but let's it, assume we do <laughs> yeah and then you kind of go all right then I'll see you later I'll go to the bar bye. And that's it. But no, it was brilliant. And the band, they just gelled. So I was kind of on cloud nine. I mean, Angie was monstrous. Pete Chilvers, the other keyboard player, monstrous. And Gaz was just rocking it. He really was rocking it. In fact, I didn't know how good a player Gaz was until that night. Really? Yeah. He is a very good player. And, and he does, um, he really does play the part when 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 he's on and it's live he'll he gives you uh, every every bit of money worth he gets into stage mode he's he's there mm. you know. yeah really good really excellent so yes very happy well i'm glad to hear that uh, you enjoyed that of course we've got music messing next week and i haven't got any topics uh, about you know what we might expect maybe we can close out with that because obviously uh i don't think music messer is considered to be quite such an event as uh, as nam obviously because it's not in america and i think a lot of the manufacturers are based there and they don't all make it over the pond so it doesn't tend to be such a sort of big gear event so uh, we're looking forward to a few things uh hiltonia pro tools 11 you say rich well funnily enough i did have a discussion with an avid representative who phoned me up today and invited me to a special breakfast at the Movenpick Hotel, no less, which I've always wanted to stay in, but it's far too expensive. But I do have to be there at 8.30. And, I, and he, the minion of the PR, he was the PR company that worked for Avid. He didn't actually have any information, but he rang me back a bit later. I said, I'll come if there's anything worth, you know, if it's a new plug-in or something, I'll probably, you know, we won't bother doing a video because it's not. And he phoned back and said, no, there's a really big announcement in music production. But I can't tell you what it is. So and I'm you're guessing... invited for breakfast and you're paying. Oh, you know what? Do you think that's what it is? Do you think they're just going to have a whip round? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I'm just being <laughs> facetious. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Moven pick. They make um, lovely ice creams. Ice cream. Maybe it's a hotel made of ice cream. I don't know. It's bizarre, but yes, <laughs> maybe there will be. But anyway, we can. There obviously was a whole load of uh, April Fool stuff uh, as well. Uh, we'll. Maybe we can get onto that a bit later. Um, but first of all, there was this project that uh, Jem Godfrey um, actually posted, which I was hoping he was going to. Uh, uh, join the show because he said oh you must talk about this so I put it in the topic list and he hasn't been able to make it so we're going to have to wing it a little bit so I'll start with uh, the, the first one uh, is it the first one let me see if I put this in the right order I'll have to press the button and hopefully the video will play we'll see if it does it doesn't seem to be at the moment so I'll keep pressing then something might happen ah oh, oh, there we go This is uh, the final countdown by Europe, the classic, played in Bristol quite recently, in a major, uh, is it a major key? Yes. It's great when the vocal comes in, because uh, then it really, it, it, it's quite an interesting concept. Here it comes. Oh, come on, get on with it. I can see that all my podcasters, podcasting guests, you can't see off camera, all holding their heads in their hands and grimacing. But still Okay, I'll let you out. I'll put you out of your misery. There are more. There was another one, which is uh, Losing My Religion, um, which I think I've got over here. Let's have a look. This was, uh, uh, I think I can play that there. Let's see what happens. This is the classic R.E.M. Uh, in uh, again in a major key. I didn't know. I, thought, I don't remember this video. It's very Rembrandt, isn't it? Bruegel. Oh. I don't know. I, I can see people grimacing and looking very uncomfortable with this. So, but it's the major versus minor project. It's uh, by a company uh, by by these uh, chaps in uh, uh, Ukraine. Ukrainian musicians are doing it. Um, there's also the Beatles, oh, bloody, oh, blah, da. But looking at the expressions on all your faces, I don't think you actually want to hear that. Um, and I'm going to come to you, Mark. What do you think about this as a concept? I mean, it strikes me as a kind of something that you'd really enjoy because you, you know, I love it. Twisting I and think kind it's of brilliant. I've heard, I'd heard the, uh, the, the losing my religion one a while ago because my partner found it and she played it to me and said, what do you think of this? And I was like, whoa, what's happened to that? That sounds kind of weird. Uh, but I love it because it's good enough. It's done, apart with the Beatles one is a bit glitchy, but it's done well enough that it sounds plausible. So when you listen to it, it puts you off kilter because you're so used to hearing it the other way. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, a fan of... Europe, I have to say. Oh, what are you doing? I'm sorry, I'm not doing. Rich is, Rich is coming. Off, Rich is coming on and offline. So yeah, we're just we're back to so, normal um, service. I'm, I mean, I remember when Melodyne DNA came out. I kind of said that would be a really good use for it because it would be really interesting to play around with things. And I've not. Have you? Did you watch The Voice this week? The UK Voice. Yes. Because I noticed whenever I watch that, I always cry. And I thought, God, I must be crying because it's so amazing that these talented people are coming on and, like, isn't it amazing that they're plucking all this raw talent out from, like, you know, uh, just, you know, the masses and people are coming. And then some people who were really not what I would have 
sort of said was massively talented made me cry. And then what I've noticed is that the incidental music between when they have the act on, they're messing around with major and minor keys and whoever... The musicians who do the incidental music for the voice are very good at manipulating emotions and taking... You're being forced to cry by the music bed of the backstory. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think Ruth Brown last year was great, and I actually thought Leanne Mitchell deserved to win, personally. Uh, This is a UK uh, TV show. This is a UK version of The Voice. People people audition to be on various celebrities' teams. Uh, Will I Am, Jesse J, Tom Jones, and uh, some other bloke. I can't remember his name. Um, But what happens, they come on, and they're not facing the... The, 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 they're facing the audience, but the judges are not facing the singer, so they have to judge whether they want to get this person through purely on the sound of their voice. After that happens, it just turns into your regular common or garden thing where they try and make people not look as fat as they are and cut their <laughs> hair and do all of that kind of stuff, you know. So. Yeah, after that. Um, but I, I think really it's just the, the... if I mean, it's kind of clever that you can switch from minor to major key. I think that's clever in itself. But I think if somebody could, like, play around with that and then just switch to a major key at an unexpected point in the lyric just for a little short section of a song and then switch back or do it the other way around. Mm, I'm sure You could really play around with people's emotions then if you could take it along with the lyric so that they kind of got the sad section a little bit more. Do you see what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Unless you compare the, the two tracks it's almost not noticeable in a weird kind of way yeah well what's what's interesting i think i don't know rich i don't know what you think it um it, it doesn't sound like they've really chosen them very well because it's not like they sound it they just sound worse don't they it's because sometimes i'm guessing going from major to minor can make something sound you know better or you know different in a good way but that just sounds wrong to me well yeah when it comes in particular to switching major and minor on familiar material I'd rather be in the dentist's chair. <laughs> but I also have used Melodyne to reharmonize things that weren't specifically going from minor to major or major to minor and also weren't familiar material, but work in progress where somebody had already recorded a sound and we decided, well, that's cool, but what if it played this voicing instead? Right. And so I changed that. And that's fine. So if that's fine, then it's me for me really down more to the major and minor and the familiarity thing. Yeah, it's it's what what is very interesting is that just by what seems to be you know changing that factor, it completely change. I mean, everything is completely different. It just has none of the the kind of melodic hooks or anything. You know, I mean, and I wonder going from major to minor, is it not? Um, do you not have choices whether to go up or down? You know, whether you're going. Yeah. Are there? Are there? Are there, You know, because essentially you're reworking something. So are there not creative choices made in changing the key of something? So therefore, isn't it down to interpretation? Is my question. Well, there's more than one minor scale. Right. For for starters, uh-huh. in classical theory, there is more than one thing defined as the minor scale. So you're going to pick one, and then you're going to remain, or you could use a mode that's not specifically a minor scale like Dorian, which is a minor scale with a normal six rather than a flat six. Um, so you can, apl- you can very easily overlay these things onto recorded material. Oh, who's that? No, somebody's, very, somebody's very bit fuzzing the wire. On the track, but it will work. Ah, yeah, no, I, I, I guess so. I, I, I'm, I suppose the thing is when I heard these, um, it, 
I was expecting to be really wowed and go, gosh, that's a bit, but actually it was just disappointing. I know, Dave, what would you make of it? I mean, do you, do you think there's any kind of mileage in any of this? Have you heard anything more effective? It was interesting. I mean, certainly what Mark was saying about the whole emotional aspect of majors and minors, which was interesting in this because it just made me feel really violent, particularly <laughs> Europe in a major key. just made me want to go and start beheading people or something. <laughs> Good it Lord. Just, it was quite, I hate that song at the best of time, but hearing it in a happy key just made me... I mean, it, you know, it's just horrible. I used to like Jim. I thought he was a nice chap. But <laughs> this I ruined your day. That, yeah, it really did ruin my day. And the Beatles one, I mean, God, the artefacts and glitching in that. It was just like, what? what's he trying to do to me? Have I got that one? I don't think I've got it. Uh, well, Tom, sure. good. You can <laughs> no, go and play that one. Somebody's uh, audio is going a bit funny. Is it a bit? If somebody talk. Rich, Rich, can you just talk a second? Hello there. Ah, Mark, I think it might be you. Me and why, why me? That was Rich going. Yeah, but you made the noise at the same time. <laughs> no, I didn't. I was muted. Ah, okay. All right. Uh, well, my microphone and see if that helps you in any way. He's robotized, doesn't he? Rich Hilton has turned into it a. Sounds dark. like one of those USB uh, driver errors. Try this. Ah, that's gone. What was that? Was that you, Dave? What have you done? No. Yeah. Well, you just said try this, and you just and it went. Yeah, but that was fluke. <laughs> no it was oh. I had a click and then it went I'm back I'm okay alright well anyway um, the auto-tune walks what's really funny is they then they produce this video uh, which I will play Hi. also This is, which says this is how we do it uh, which um, we are major versus minor is clearly total bullshit I don't know why they bothered it's not so this is how they say they do it. They, yeah, first they model it. They so they, they kind of play it out, orchestrate it, and think about how they've been doing, you know, how they should do it. And then I'll fast forward a bit because it's quite dull. So it's got further. Hey Jude, yeah. And then apparently they recreate all of this stuff and re-sing it. And here she goes. This is apparently her re-singing it, uh, uh, where actually uh, it looks very badly mimes to me. You and me, we used to be together, every day together, always. I quite like this version, actually. I really feel... Anyway, so that was the idea. So now they, they say they recreate everything, which is... I mean, it can't be true, because... That's not her. You know, I recognise all of the inflections in the voice there. I just wonder yeah. what, the, what, the, what was the point of doing that? Because it, it didn't really make any sense to me to go into all that trouble to making that video. To, I guess maybe they're trying to cover themselves from a copyright point of view, but everybody knows that it's clearly the stuff. But I wonder what happens when the, the copyright algorithm of YouTube is applied and the melody's actually been changed, whether or not it recognises it but from the sonic fingerprint of the rest of the audio. <laughs> no, probably not. Would, it would completely mess with the whole thing, wouldn't it? Even if it's um, even if it's an EQ curve that it's learned from that track, it would be shifted, wouldn't it? So yeah, I, I don't know. Just interesting uh, as a thought. But on the whole, then generally, we're not uh, all that um, excited by that. Have you heard of one of these that actually does work for you, anybody? What do you mean? Well, uh, one of oh, these you mean of... one of these transposed, pre-recorded yeah. pieces that we all know and love? Yeah. No, I haven't. I'm sorry. No. I think I like the REM one, but I'm not quite sure if that's the same version as the one that I heard before, so I need to check that. 
Because the one I heard before, I think, just sounded like someone had literally just re-quantized it to major key in Melodyne. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure it must be Melodyned, and they must have somehow got a hold of the multitracks, because you couldn't do what they've done in DNA on the full recording, could you? <laughs> yeah, you probably could. It depends what's, how much is going yeah. on. If there's a load yeah. going on, you probably couldn't. But in that song, I reckon you probably could. You think so? Oh, interesting. I mean, Rich, you use that... Um, in, in, in creative sense, do you think um, do you think that's possible? I mean, because doesn't it, uh, it depend on things like the reverb and the and you know the, the the stuff surrounding the particular line or within a certain tolerance, it can all be sort of done, but uh, you'd have to be willing to accept a lot of artifacts, and apparently some of them have a lot of artifacts. Yeah. I don't, I can't stand to listen to it. <laughs> but uh, Melodyne will, in fact, analyze and attempt to do this for you if that's what you fancy doing. Okay. I thought well, this was all done with Melodyne, wasn't it? I, I thought I, it was a screen grab that we saw that had Melodyne on it in the uh, video yeah. that we just uh, watched. Ah, okay. I didn't... Because uh, that's what it sounds like, just somebody slinging something in and just... Doing yeah, but no, no, but they made out that they've actually kind of, you know, recreated the tracks and then played them, you know, as they... In oh, the start. That's, that's what they're saying. Well, what they would have to have done was gone chord by chord through the recording to make sure that the scale they were choosing for that chord was going to line up properly with what belongs yeah. there in a major context. Yeah. And you could yeah. see the guy come in a major, he was doing the Godfather theme, I think, and he comes to a place in the cadence where it just there's nothing obvious major that should go there, and he's got to figure out where he wants to take it. Right. And so I don't think one template would work i don't think you could apply one template to the length of the song to make this i think they would have to go through to intelligently organize the thing right. as often as the harmony actually shifts in the original so quite a skilled i mean you know it's quite quite a lot of work basically i mean he is asking for donations so he's obviously <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can donate to the project here can i pay well never mind can i offer to pay him to stop i'm sure you can probably add a note to it how much to stop? Here's something. How much to stop? Yeah, this is on online petition. Oleg, if I could make him more money, getting him to stop, how would that work? Oleg Berg, yeah, is the uh, dot uh, dot com. Is and you need to please, go. I ask dear Oleg to forgive me because <laughs> I know, or as, or as Craig Ferguson says on TV, I welcome your letters. You know what? You know what I think. Sorry, I, I think that we should. Um, uh, he should be commissioned to do uh, wrong key versions of all the songs that they won't allow in Spotify. So anybody who refuses to go in Spotify uh, could have their song manipulated, and then you put that version in Spotify, and then uh, then that would increase. That, but not. In, why am I saying that? I don't know. It feels like you're being punished. You're, so you want to punish the musicians who don't want to have their stuff given away for free. That seems yes. a bit harsh, Mark. Yes. I've just realised that actually, no, I don't like Spotify because they don't give me very much money. Very little no. being nothing. Forgotten that part. Yeah. I like the... As a user, I love Spotify. As an end user, I can go there and hear anything I want to Almost. apart from Led Zeppelin. <laughs> so, oh, can't you? I'll, I'll bet yeah, there's, you there's a whole bunch of things you can't... Maybe they're on there now, but they weren't on no, there. There's a whole bunch of things you don't get on there. Right, uh, well, let's have a look. There's another kind of really freaky uh, story, actually. This one was... Uh, let me see if I've got the photo there. There we go. And this is the... Uh, if we go here. This is the story uh, um, from the SAE Institute Adelaide uh, School of Audio Engineering, I think that is, on Facebook. Um, and this is a picture of the anechoic chamber 
in uh, Minneapolis Orfield Labs. They've created one, and they, you know, you you see these occasionally. They sort of use them in films and what have you as kind of unusual spots. But th- this one seems to be uh, have had a little bit of extra press. Apparently, they've been putting people in there for thirty minutes into the chamber, and what actually happens is. Um, Usually there's a background noise of around about uh, minus 30 dB of just sort of general ambient noise in kind of everyday life. Obviously that goes up and down depending on where you are. But in there it's minus nine, which means all you can hear is the inner workings of your own body. <laughs> and uh, apparently after 30 minutes people start hallucinating and do all sorts of weird things. I, I, I've never experienced an anechoic chamber. I mean, certain dead rooms make me feel very unusual. Uh, I remember going to a certain rehearsal room where I just felt really uncomfortable because it was too soundproofed. I don't know whether you've any experienced anything like that rich i'm guessing that your electronic music background might have exposed you to some of the theory behind this or am i uh, completely off the mark behind how it gets that quiet you mean in well, there uh, have you been exposed to anything like this i've never personally been in an anechoic chamber and that's hard to say <laughs> um i've never actually been in one no but i sort of have some idea what it what it's I've horrible. been in some pretty dead spaces. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been in an anechoic It is funny how dead spaces do affect you quite a lot, isn't it? And, and, and psychoacoustics come into play there. I remember there, there's a really big room at Real World, which is an amazing space. Uh, it's the one that looks over the pond. It's got a huge SSL G-Series desk in it, and it's designed for sort of, you know, the big acts. But you walk into it, and it's inappropriately non-reverberant for the size of the space and that's a really weird thing to kind of get it doesn't feel right somehow i know rich uh, sorry dave have you uh, have you ever been in an anechoic i have yeah Ooh, it's horrible it? i had it pre-tinnitus thank goodness because i think if i went into one with tinnitus now i'd probably want to kill myself within about five minutes uh no it's amazing because you've everything stops here you know you're talking to somebody there were three of us in there it was quite a large one and uh it just everything stops here. It's quite. It's very, very, very freaky. Disorientating, I imagine. Nice at one point. Well, yeah. I mean, you can you can hear, um, you know, various things going on with your body. It's going to be really vulgar. Great room for farts, I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, yeah. No. Very, very, very freaky and very disconcerting. And uh, I quite enjoyed it for like the first sort of five minutes. But I think. Like the guy said, you know, if, if I was on my own, it was the fact that there was three of us in there and we were kind of like, wow, this is weird. Hey, you say something. No, you say something. Um, but I think if I was on my own, I'd have definitely got a bit weirded out. And now, with, like I say, with tinnitus. Oh, because you'd be focusing on the, the, your internal... There's no distraction at all. It's right. a bit like, you know, I've got mates who've recorded stuff out of Death Valley and stuff, and they said, you know, it's so quiet there, you can kind of hear your heart pumping. And dry, I'd imagine, as well, yeah. Yeah, the dryness of the air means that it just doesn't go very far. Uh, John Van Eaton in the chat room said quite rightly, "No, no, no, it's not minus thirty; it's plus thirty dBs. Uh, um, minus thirty from naught, I suppose, isn't it? Uh, or just thirty dBs of absolute measurement of background noise. Minus nine is—I don't know what minus nine is. Kind of negative integer in terms of that measurement is just no reflections, nothing. You must just be." I wonder what it's like actually being in an anechoic. It must be very similar to having um, the earbuds in, you know, where you get the sound of your head rather than the reflections. You don't hear any reflections or anything coming back. You hear the reflections on your teeth and what have you. It's the fact that it's so absorbent that any audio, you know, like when you're speaking, it literally just gets about that far away. And you're like, it's so weird. 
so weird. I'd recommend it. Actually, it should be therapy for anyone who goes turning. <laughs> so absorbent. They should maybe smashes. a great place to spill a cup of coffee. Yeah, no, really bad place. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine. I know, Mark. Have you ever been in anything like this? Well, I notice things about sound all the time, and one of the things I've noticed is in most studios you have a double lock kind of door going into your live room from your control room, right? So if you go in through the first door and then don't go out through the second one, if you're thin enough, which I used to be, and <laughs> maybe I'm not now, and you stand in that space and you clap your hands, that's very dead acoustically because not only is it a very, very tight space, but it's also soundproofed all around. So, I mean, that's kind of like that. It's probably not as much like that in the sense that you have a sense of space around you because it's a little bit like being shut in a very small cupboard but I mean most recording studios if you want to get a sense of an anechoic environment will have that kind of double locked door between the control room and the live room and if you go in there and close both the doors you get something of that happening in there because yeah. sometimes it's hard to close the doors because it's also an airlock in there. Don't stay in there too long or you'll die. Ooh, no. uh, Donkey Capers in the chat room has said zero dBA is the limit of hearing. 30 dBA is a, th is a thousand times the power and minus nine dBA is one eighth the power. So I'm guessing they must be talking minus nine dBA. So that's, I, I, I guess that's absolute. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm, not too, I'm not too up oh. on the... the what what measurements i'd you... love to go in one for more than half an hour to see if that claims true because it doesn't sound true to me it doesn't sound like if i was in there for half an hour i'd start hallucinating i really don't believe i would i think i'd just be really has, annoyed has anyone ever been in one of those um, what a, wasn't there a big phase of uh, sensory deprivation flotation tanks uh, to yeah, do I've with done uh, that uh, is, is that a similar annoying. thing well i've floated around in salt and you know like when you've been on tour for like a couple of years and your know, arse itches. <laughs> um. you, you know, you've got that kind of like gig butt thing. I think the roadies call it, don't they? And it's only cured by a very, very strong brand of mentholated foot powder, if I remember rightly. But anyway, I went in a deprivation tank when I had that. <laughs> And lying in salt when your arse itches is not comfortable. And <laughs> you don't go anywhere other than, ow, this really hurts my bum sore. I want to get out of here. Oh, my God. I, I, so don't, I didn't have a good experience with I that. Don't, I don't really know what to say. <laughs> there are so many show titles so far. <laughs> and I thought Rich's first one was good, which was I'd rather be in the dentist chair, but there must be something in there that we can use. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure. It might actually be unprintable. I'm not sure what sort of accompanying poster image I could use for that. But yes. Um, ventilated foot powder. I've forgotten what it's called at the moment. Mycel. All have it in their bag, don't they? Is it that mycel? It's you use it for athlete's foot. Oh, I Athletes. Like Athlete's foot or roadie's ass. One of the two. <laughs> There's a title there somewhere. Crikey, thank you, Mark. That was uh, astonishingly. Uh, <laughs> I don't know That's if anybody's brilliant. able to speak apart from me at the moment. Rich is weeping. And the wizard wheeze is to swap that for deep heat. Deep heat. <laughs> so Rich, Rich is going to be on tour again fairly soon, so uh, maybe you've got that to look forward to. Or, or perhaps not. I certainly hope not. It sounds incredibly uncomfortable. He's crying. Rich, Rich is weeping. You, need, you better have a drink of water, young man. You'll be dehydrated. <laughs> 
That's got to be the funniest thing you've said in a long time, Mark. I'm not sure how we can possibly follow that. I'm desperately looking for an interesting topic. Um, but if you want to find out more, there, in fact, there's some great images actually on this. I, uh, I've got to play through a few just to, uh, just because I can. Um, one of my favourites was not this one. There's a. Uh, where is it? Uh, uh, yeah, some, this is what happened to somebody on tour. That's somebody wrapped up in gaffer tape. Uh, important answers for sound engineers. Um, that's quite a good T-shirt to wear. Uh, one of my favourites, though, was... Uh, not that one. Uh, the, yes, this is the, the sound guy. What I think I'm doing, which is uh, obviously playing in front... Of, what my friends think I'm doing, which I don't know if you can see that. It looks like a sort of black-and-white orgy scene. Uh, what bands think I'm doing, which is um, sitting in piles of money and what I'm actually doing. And there's another great one here of uh, the cassette and the iPod. I am your father. No! in a kind of Star Wars vibe. Some great, some, I'm not usually a fan of those kind of um, pictures of cats on Facebook sharing, but uh, there were a few on there that were quite funny. So do check them out. School of Engineering Adelaide. School of Audio Engineering. Um, next thing up, uh, there was... Um, uh, yeah, this, well, I think we might go here now to something a bit more serious, which is that Apple discontinuing the uh, Mac Pros. Now, I know this is not new news. It was announced in January, but we're now uh, 31st of March... Uh, well, we're March the 1st, in fact. The Mac Pro has been discontinued, which means they're not replenishing any supplies. This is in the EU. They're not replenishing any replies, supplies of it in the Apple stores or at sales outlets. So you cannot buy a Mac Pro now in Europe because of a new EU directive. I think it's called uh, e, uh, EF, what is it? IEC 60950-1, which has got something to do with uh, um, compliance with ecological guidelines. I'm not entirely sure what it is. As you can tell, I haven't done a great deal of research. There's an, actually an article on The Verge here which discusses it, and um, and actually, you know, it's been confirmed. Uh, they can confirm the Mac Pro has now been discontinued. Uh, given the plans for a Mac Pro to refresh later the, this year, perhaps this, they're just doing this until they actually make a new one, uh, and, you know, something that will be compliant with EU, because obviously you know, large companies like this, they want to make something that you can sell in every country without modifying for each territory, because, I mean, that'd be a nightmare of construction. But, I mean, what's... Uh, if if they don't, for instance, come up with something that we want, we're kind of screwed, right? I mean, what are you going to do next time you need to upgrade your tower? I mean, Rich, this must be a very real kind of concern for you at times, because obviously you've got, you know, uh, you're running a commercial kind of scenario. What happens if your Mac Pro dies and you need to upgrade? I mean, what are we... Uh, is it trouble, or do you think they'll just... Um, solve it no somehow. not anymore not now that i can buy a of course you can uh, top buy end imac and a magma thunderbolt chassis and pop my cards in it and run both avid and ua approved configurations ah have you seen that working physically no okay but i have no doubt that it will now that's an interesting point they are jolly pricey those magma units aren't they i mean it's like uh, uh, well it's i mean as compared to the previous $2,000 box of air, this thing is only like a $1,000 box of air. Yeah, you can get the one-slot one and the three-slot one. Cheaper than, yeah, yeah, if you want a one-slot one, it's cheaper still. But the three-slot one, which is the one I get, is, I think, somewhere between 800 and 1000 bucks. Hmm. I suppose that's a, a good point. I mean, maybe multiple monitors. I don't know what the Thunderbolt bus Why is. Why multiple monitors? I'm looking at a 27 right now, and it's like, 12 inches from my nose. <laughs> no wonder you're so well lit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's a good point. I suppose so. I mean, I, I guess I'm just of the sort of... 
I like having drives internal. I like having stuff internally to a computer. I suppose it really is not an issue. I don't know, Dave. As a developer, are there any kind of uh, ramifications for you? Because you are in Europe. So if your di if yours dies and uh, you can't find one in any of the stores, what are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I've noticed that actually the you know eBay over here. If you want to pick up an eight-core Mac on that. First of all, they go quickly, and they are going for good money. You know, big money now. Yeah. There was a point where mine was looking like it was dying at one point, and I uh, did a little bit of a trawl and just kept an eye on a few prices, and it was like, whoa. But there is supposed to be something. It may not be a Mac Pro, but there may be something, man. There. Anyway, I I just quite like to cry the racism card myself. That would be quite good, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, the, the, well, it's more of a sort of um, continentalism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Apple, how are you going to answer that? No, I don't know. I mean, by all accounts, you know, the latest iMac, Mac, whatever, um, is more powerful than my Acor Mac. So I guess there'll be a time where I have to make that kind of decision. Yeah, I, I mean, this, the laptop this is running on is, uh, suppo you know, it's an i7, and it's more powerful. Than, it, it runs projects that I have trouble editing on the, the main Mac, which is an 8-core 2.4. This is, uh, I don't know what it is, a 2.4 uh, i7, and it just, you know, it can deal with it better. I think is, the one thing that worries me about the iMac stuff is the heat and stuff. In fact, we bought uh, my daughter one uh, very, very recently, and... Um, it doesn't half build up a lot of heat, you know, when she's really gunning it on uh, video editing and, you know, got a load of stuff open. The heat generation's pretty massive. I think at least with the towers you get, you know, because there's loads of holes in it, you kind of get that full um, paradise that you're thinking, oh, it's cool. Well, it's generating loads of heat, but it's just dissipating it. I suppose with the iMac, it's just uh, outputting it via the back. I mean, Rich, you've got an iMac back there. Yeah, I noticed you were the, fondling the... Top the... Of the, the top of the thing is like sort of a heat sink in a yeah. funny sort of way. It, it does radiate heat off the top of the unit. So you can't put that uh, nylon gonk um, thing that you would like to stick on top of your computers there because it might melt. <laughs> nylon so, gonk? Yeah, that's obviously UK. You know, the, uh, the kind of little um, uh, uh, fluffy toy or whatever that you might have stuck to the top <laughs> of your screen just as a sort of little personalised moment. I see. Might start to give Up off down. kind of cyanide fumes. Yes, there goes Tigger up in flame. <laughs> It is a serious issue because you're right, actually, Dave. I mean, because I've been looking, you know, occasionally I keep an eye out for Mac Pros on eBay because, I mean, we bought <laughs> this one. We bought this one kind of, um, uh, we bought this one, you know, several years ago. It's, you know, it's a 2010. It was already old when we bought it and it's been fine. But, you know, it's still, got Macs like this are still really quite expensive. Still, I, I could sell it for what we bought it for and I've had it for three years. Yeah, no, it's pretty much the same here. You know, plus I'm, I've, I think I've got like 12 terabytes of storage in it. And then obviously there's backups for that. So if, if I'm going to have to change, then it's going to be the whole Thunderbolt and Lightning. Very, very frightening indeed. It's brute. And that's going to be tedious. I would, like to, I would like to get some Thunderbolt stuff uh, hooked up to this Mac. But uh, just that we've got, in fact, we've got a, a dock. But just the fact that I have to pay upward of like 30 quid, which is about 50 bucks, just for a 1.2 meter lead really is just a bit bizarre i find it's, it's wow. ridiculously expensive the thunderbolt accessories over here anyway it may not be the same thing i mean you're rich is looking puzzled there is it cheap well it's a 30 dollar cable um apparently it's more than just wire and it's a powered cable there's there's actual 
processors at each end and stuff. There's this. It's not as simple as a normal like piece of wire, you know, coated wire. Right. Yeah. In there. That's at least as it's been explained to me. Now, does it justify a one meter cable for thirty bucks? Nah, I don't know. It's but, getting into uh, that sort of hi-fi sort of buff territory, isn't it? But I will say that last summer I was running uh, a small session in Pro Tools and recording at the same time off of my SSD-driven MacBook Air connected to a Thunderbolt LC drive, which is, in fact, a RAID drive, and uh, all was working very nicely. Ah, excellent. Now, I didn't open a track, you know, a session with 64 voices playing and tons of plugins going, and I didn't... Try to break it because I promise you, if I tried to break it, I would. But uh, it did work for what I needed it to do quite well. Mm, okay, uh, I know, Mark. You must be in a similar situation, you know, because obviously you, you like me, is uh, generally sort of buying uh, pre-loved Macintoshes because they're generally cheaper. But I mean, this is not going to be the case when it comes to a desktop. You, have you got a desktop machine still? I bought an iMac. No, I didn't. I sold the iMac and I bought a Mac Mini, um, which I thought, I looked at all the benchmark specs and I looked at um, Geekbench scores and everything and it said 10,000 or something and I thought that's three times as fast as the iMac that I've got so it should be able to run everything and I stuck 16 gigabytes of RAM in it and it's got a one terabyte drive and it's not very fast, it's slow. Yeah, I and, don't think uh, that those are benchmarks f- don't tell tell you what's really going on because I think when it's shifting the graphics around, then that's actually eating into the processor because it's got a sort of an onboard GPU, uh, yeah. a, a something or another Intel four thousand graphic processor which uses the same RAM as the machine itself, and then I think it steals processing cycles or something. So something's not something doesn't do what the ben- what the benchmark says it should do. But it's right. as good as my old iMac was. But I don't think that I, uh, if given the choice now, I've got those two things to compare. I would say maybe the iMac is, because that has a separate graphic processor, a proper separate dedicated graphic card, doesn't it? Yeah. So maybe that's a different, you know, the new iMacs are probably a different kettle of fish. But, I mean, what's wrong with Hackintosh as well? I mean, if well, you I've, go never, I, I've, never, I've never run one of these. I would like to try it at some point if I had, um, but I'd have to buy, you know, you have to buy the hardware that is, is compatible with it. And, I, and, and you're just, yeah. gonna, are you not going to end up in a bunch of, you know, just a hell with, you know. There's a, there, I, before I bought the Mac Mini, there was a guy on eBay who was going to help me build the machine. And it would have been quite sizably powerful. The, I mean, I suppose the reason to not do it is that every time you go to upgrade, you need to have expert advice on how to upgrade anything if you're going down the Hackintosh route because because And you're giving up, you're giving up any kind of support ever. Yeah, sure. But, well, I don't think I've ever had any support ever from Apple anyway, but to be honest. No, I mean, from them or from anybody. In other yeah. words, it's just... That some people don't want to do that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, it's just that, you know, we could build, I guess you can build something that's got a whole bunch of grunt in it uh, for, uh, you know, um, yeah. I mean, a reasonable you're price. And see, I don't, but I don't know whether it's worth the hassle. I don't think in this, in this, in our case, it would be if I was no. wrestling I mean, with that's, it all the time. That, I mean, the, some people don't want to do that. I'm obviously one of them because I'd rather buy 
something that's good, just totally supported by Apple, and when I click software update, it just does it all, and I don't have to ever think about, oh, if I do this, it might break a driver. And, if it, and I'm perfectly capable of building the machine myself and making it work and making it do all those things. But do I want to spend hours and hours and hours doing that, or do I want to spend hours making music? And I suppose yeah. there comes a point where you just... I mean, I've kind of bitten the bullet and gone with the slightly less... Um, you know, spec machine, and it's capable of running most of my sessions anyway. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the only reason I'm asking because you know I'm at the situation where my dr that my uh, that our main edit machine is starting to display weird behaviour, and there's obviously a drive going down, and I'm at that oh. point where it's been too long since I've cloned the entire drive, which is the boot camp and the uh, Mac partition. So if I do it now, I'll copy all the errors with it. So I'm kind of like, I don't know what to do. I've got whether to go to my uh, the drive that I'm using and update from there or whether just to rebuild from scratch. But that's uh, right now coming into Mesa. I don't have a day and a half to spend doing that before you know before we go and I need to use the machine. So it's kind of a, I don't know, what would you do? Some advice. <laughs> would you rebuild? Describe that to me again with boot camp. Uh, well, basically, sorry. I've got two. I'm, so I've got two partitions. I've got the boot camp partition and I've got the Mac partition. The boot camp partition runs our video editing and has all of that kind of stuff on it. And you know, and then the so it's one physical device that I think is causing problems. It's it's not displaying any errors, but. It's behaving weirdly. There are corrupted files. You know, clearly there's things going wrong. And on the Mac side, it's behaving weirdly as well. So I, my, it all points to a uh, something up with the physical drive that's not being reported as an error. But it's starting to show signs of there is something going on. So I'm thinking, well, I should rebuild, or should I just should I just clone it to another drive, or should I rebuild the whole system, which means the boot camp side and the the. the I don't know if you can back up the boot camp side. You can make disk Apple. images, yeah. You can, you can make disk images. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, then obviously I, you ch the backup method of your choice for both halves of the thing, and uh, replace the drive. Yeah. You know, so I would probably use back. Time Machine for the Apple side, and then put in a fresh OS and lay everything else back in user accounts, apps, and everything else over a fresh OS install. All ah, right. So so transfer them using the uh, yeah. I'd use Time Machine because that way when you you could use their uh, – I mean, you could do it in other ways, but that way you can use their migration assistant on the way back in. Yeah. Just get one machine for each job, says Google. Thank you. That's very helpful. Oh, you could do that. I could, yeah, but that would require another couple of thousand. But he's got to carry them both. <laughs> well, I've also got to uh, to buy them. Um, so, yeah, that's not quite so, uh, so uh, an attractive I'd go proposition. Back. I'd go back to a point when you knew that it was working and just clone that drive onto another drive and just work on that drive and then just maybe do carbon copy cloner and import. Well, yeah, but I can't, you can't, roll, I can't roll back um, on the Mac side. I don't, I don't have a versioning system in place for you know, iterations of software. It doesn't work in the same way as system restore points for the Mac. I haven't, I haven't got a time, time machine backup of it. That's not the way I work. I clone the entire device yeah. some, t some time ago and stuff has happened since then You know that probably need to... Yeah, but, but yeah, I, I've just got to find the time to deal with it, really. I, I think that's the thing. Anyway, thank no, you. But if you clone the entire device to another drive, can't you work off that drive? If that was working then, just restore that drive to a new drive, keep the broken drive to one side, and then bring stuff in from the broken drive that you need and get the machine back working again. Yes, I can try that. 
What I want is a button to press, really, that'll fix everything. <laughs> I don't have to do any work. <laughs> but uh, sadly, I've not prepared myself for that particular. Uh... You need a young man to help you, I think. Yeah, that's and probably more likely. For you. Thank you very a much. A reliable young man. A reliable young fellow. Yes, that's exactly what I need. Anyway, well, thanks. Thank thanks for the help. Um, uh, there's, there are uh, that sort of slight uh, digression there. Uh, what else is there? There's a crop of April Fools. Anyone see any good April Fools? We did a quite a good one. I was quite pleased with it. You didn't right. see that yeah, one. That, that was funny. Was very silly. I, I actually that. thought Antares thing that Andy Hildebrand did was pretty clever. What correct timing in real time with people who can't play in the pocket and something like that. I've just right. I'm afraid I can't play that because what's happened is for some I pressed a sequence of events that what happened is now it's moved my browser window to a new desktop, which is not displayed on the screen that I can then capture into this. So perhaps I'll leave that particular one. That was good. We did a, the Boss BS2, which was the uh, SFX pedal, which um, they did some pyrotechnics, and uh, that was kind of fun. That seems to have gone quite well. Uh, Dave, you see anything that um, that floated your boat? No. Yours was uh, the the effects thing was the best. Although the makeup was a bit, weird. they should have just left it there and the bloody out of the just air. Just done a little bit. It gone a bit. Yeah, over, this overboard. bit. I don't know who did this bit here. But I, was, I wasn't involved, but uh, so Andy was it? It might have been. I couldn't tell you. Right, I'm going to try and figure out how, <laughs> how the hell. I like the idea that you could create a big bang in jazz, and that if people weren't listening to you, you could. Tread on the pedal and get people to listen. I thought that was very good. Yeah, it was a nice idea. Nice idea. Um, I, um, I, I, I seem to be rather technically challenged at the moment. All my um, browser windows, which I was going to display as part of the rest of the show, have moved <laughs> moved on to a desktop which I can't find anymore. I don't. Can know I any... talk about the German flea circus while you sort it out? Yeah, I think that would probably be a good idea, Mark. Because my partner Gina was looking at this thing on. Uh, yeah, oh no, it's on BBC News actually, and it's a German flea circus hit by a big freeze. A flea circus in Germany has been scrambling to replace its performers after the entire troupe was wiped out by this spring's freezing weather. And we thought, ha, April Fool, but it wasn't. They lost 300 fleas to the to the to the cold weather, and they they're having terrible problems getting them back. So. I, I think it actually turned up later in uh, April uh, in news stories which should have been April Fools but weren't. And I found a few more of those which I thought were all uh, quite <laughs> so. Hold on. Amusing. So what they did is their entire so that their entire inventory of performers got. Um... They've got three hundred fleas, yeah, which died in their transport box last year because of uh, last week because of the cold weather. So the whole troupe of the flea circus has been wiped out. And it just sounds like it should be an April Fool. It just sounds so silly. Yeah. And, they, and it came out on April Fool's Day, this news article on the BBC, and I thought it was a joke, or Gina thought it was a joke, and showed it to me, and we <laughs> thought it was terribly funny. And then we sort of discovered that it wasn't a joke. Disco flea circus. Nice, nice comment there, Rich. Um, I know what's happened. Um, <laughs> my browser has gone into full screen mode. How do I go out of full screen mode? F11 usually, isn't it? I must have done something. I, I, I accidentally pressed some keys. And I, don't, I don't know oh, what, no. <laughs> what I've done. I'm completely flummoxed. I think uh, probably the best thing to do in that case is probably to draw the show to an end because I can't actually get to my notes or anything. They're on a desktop, which means that when I move it, 
I can't see what's going on for me to edit and run the show, if that makes any sense. So it's it's Ask really your head to call support. Call support, yeah. Actually, that there you go. That's one of the possible. You need a the, young man. I need a young man a young to sort it out. Can someone come and fix this, please? Um, so I want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining. It's been fun as ever. If a little free form on my part, I do apologise for that. Next week there will be no live show because we're going to Music Messer. Actually, that's something that we could possibly do. We're going to Music Nessa next week. Um, is there an, anything that anybody's expecting to see at Music Nessa? We've discussed the possibility of Pro Tools 11, obviously. Uh, anybody heard any other rumours? Uh, I did see, um, I posted a, um, uh, a new story earlier, which was uh, there was a big sort of, Roland, we're back. Uh, I don't really understand what it was. It looked like some sort of a Ranger keyboard, so I'm not sure if it's in the synthesizer market. Um, Dave, you heard any rumours? You've always got your finger on the pulse. No, no, sorry. I've been hard at work. Uh, Head down, so I haven't really paid any attention to anything. Oh, curses. What about Not you? even April Fool's. <laughs> what about you, Rich? Anything you've heard or would like to see, perhaps? I haven't heard a thing. And uh, the thing I said about Pro Tools earlier was complete and utter speculation founded in nothing. Um, I honestly don't have any clue what's coming except what we all figure must be happening at some point in the future, which is a new version of Pro Tools, a new version of Logic, or Apple just finally throws in the towel and says, no, we've had it. Um, you know, people will continue to put out new versions of ah, things. Yes. Uh, uh, Ed says something about the new Nord Synth, hopefully. Nord Synth? Okay, well, That's great. That's a possibility. Oh, yeah, it's a four, isn't it? Yeah. That's They're all the rage these days, the uh, Swedes up there. They're doing a great job with those keyboards. Then yeah, people well, use everybody, them a lot. Are they starting to show up on uh, – because in Europe and on uh, UK TV and festival gigs, that, that's what everybody uses for electric. You see it all the time now, these red keyboards, and uh, they sound great, and people love using them. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you, because we, we did the uh, VR09, which was an interesting surprise, which is kind of lower um, – it's not the similar concept. They're trying to go for that kind of north thing. It's not as built in the same kind of way. It's not as indestructible. But it actually sounded pretty good. The organs weren't bad on it at all. I was quite impressed with that, and I think that's about 700 quid. Um, not terribly exciting as a sort of headline pitch, but um, if you get a chance, try one out. It's like, or, or check out our product presentation, because it was better than I expected. Which is, uh, I know that's not that's damning with faint praise, but actually, you know, it's worth a listen, definitely. Okay, well, I suppose now, in that case, we should probably say goodbye. Um, so, as I say, no show next week. Hopefully, Mark will have um, this uh, super duper additional interview with uh, Mr. Nick Rhodes and uh, Warren Cucarulo. So, that'll be fantastic. Um, yeah. I look forward to that. So, hopefully, we'll get that in. And then the week after, we'll be back. And we yeah. hope to have a new sponsor in place with uh, regular giveaways. Uh, I'll say no more. Oh. But you can look forward to that. So, hopefully, there will be. Just trying to figure out how best to do it, whether to do it with. Facebook and retweeting and how we how we get all of that to work. So we'll see. But I want to say thank you very much. So we'll go to you, Rich. Thank you for joining us. I hope you have a fruitful day in your endeavours, uh, whatever it is that you're doing today. Are you into this in the studio to wax a hottie, as they say. <laughs> yes. And after that, we're going to work on some music. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Excellent. Ah, well, thanks very much for joining us, Rich. A pleasure as always. Good to have you back. Um, I look forward to speaking to you again in the not too distant future. And we'll go to Mark Tinley right there, over there in uh, Bedfordshire. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Eltonius. 
Oh, there you are. You're not anymore. Now you're good old Mark Tinley. Thank you very much for joining us. My personality and character was transient, but this is getting a bit much. So, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Yeah, you're very welcome. And thanks very much for um, doing that interview last week and the forthcoming ones. Really do appreciate it. That's great. Looking forward. I hope the project is going well and you're racking up. Can I talk about another project? Huge sales. Well, why not? Okay, this, uh, this one requires huge sales because I need to sell lots of copies of it so I can go and buy more sweets. Um, I've done a record with a young autistic lady who's diagnosed with Asperger's called Robin Stewart, and we've done a track together, and we, our band is called Array, A-R-R-A-Y, and you can buy our tune on iTunes, and we released it yesterday on April the 2nd for World Autism Awareness Day. So that was a rather fun doing, and uh, and I think I'm going to do an album with her as well. So we should, you know, look forward to that, can't you? <laughs> yes, definitely. Thank you very much. Well, we'll post some links in the show notes if you send that in. I'll uh, I'll put something in there. Or as soon as you've got something we can look at, we'll be very happy okay. to to plug it for you. Okay, and also thank you very much to Dave Spears over there. Um, in Synth Sorry. World, I'm guessing. Um, you know, I hope this short break from your your daily toil has been a light relief and you'll probably have to go back to it now, no doubt, whatever it is yeah. that you are doing. Something like that. <laughs> oh, how very mysterious. There speaks a man with years of practice of not telling anybody what he's doing in case... See, that's, yeah, no, it's the opposite. That's a new thing, me not telling anyone what I'm doing. <sighs> Normally I'd just tell everyone what I was doing and then everyone would just start going, when, 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 and then I'd just have to lie about that. <laughs> Well, now I just kind of go, I can't tell you. Dave Spears, thank you very much. It's been yep. a pleasure as ever. Oh, look, there's two of me there. So that was Sonic Talk number 307. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us.